Welcome to the Student Ministry Podcast. My name is Steve Cullum, and I'll be your host for the next little bit as we talk with another student ministry worker. Today, we're talking to Tim Wadsworth. Tim is the Director of Student Ministries at North Hills Church in Taylors, South Carolina. And I'm really excited for you to hear this conversation today. Tim has his own podcast that he's been doing for a little bit. He has several years in ministry at the same church in his hometown. And uh, and he also has an interesting story of how he kind of tried to follow this this other calling or potential calling with music and uh, and then God him brought him back to student ministry and he's just continued to follow his calling for for a people that he knew and loved in the town that he grew up in and now he's able to reach them and reach the next generation in that town. And I'm really excited again for you to hear this great conversation. But before we do that, let's jump into our sponsors who are amazing and we're so grateful for their sponsorship of this podcast. First of all is WorkCamp NE. That's W-O-R-K-C-A-M-P-N-E. And their website is WorkCampNE.com. Make sure you check them out, especially if you're looking for a mission trip opportunity for your students that is based around service projects and worship and coming together with other youth groups. It's an amazing opportunity. I've worked with them for many, many, many years, and I highly recommend them. Check out their website. And what they also do are are private camps as well and private service projects. So if you can't make the summer weeks work, contact them about possibly coming into your own town and creating an opportunity for your students right there. Also, we want to thank our sponsor, uh, combined sponsorship of the National Network of Youth Ministries, whose website is youthworkers.net, and Reach Youth New England, whose website is reachyouthne.com. Both of these organizations are all about connecting youth workers together. So if you have been doing all this on your own, it's time to change things. Make sure you check out both of these websites to connect with other youth workers in your area because we are better together. It's one of the best things that I've ever done is to connect with other youth workers because you can bounce ideas off of each other. You can share your struggles. You can share your joys. And just we can do so much together as well. We're, we're going to come together with a couple other churches in our area this summer and, and to do some events that possibly we couldn't have done on our own or they wouldn't be as exciting if we did them on, their, on our own. But because we're coming together with a couple other youth groups together, it's just been so much more exciting to talk about the possibilities and getting our students to connect as well. So, so many benefits of connecting with other youth workers. Make sure you check out youthworkers.net or reachyouthne.com and uh, and find some other youth workers in your area. So, so thankful for WorkCamp NE, the National Network of Youth Ministries, and Reach Youth New England for sponsoring the Student Ministry Podcast. But, with the sponsors out of the way, let's jump right into this conversation with Tim Wadsworth. I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. All right. Thanks so much for joining us today, Tim. Yeah, man. So happy to be with you. Cool. So uh, we're just getting to know each other a little bit. Uh, I know the podcast audience out there uh, may they some people may know you. You have your own podcast as well. Um, yeah. So for the rest of the world who who may not know who who Tim is yet, uh, tell us a little about yourself and kind of what led you into student ministry. Yeah. So. Name is Tim Wadsworth. I am student pastor at North Hills Church in Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, Greenville's home for me, so it's been awesome to not only do ministry in the town that I grew up in, but um, I really love our city. So it's uh, I, I feel so called, obviously to our church, but I feel more so called to our our people. 
Um, but I do have a little podcast. I think I'm like five episodes in. Like I am, I'm a newbie. It's the Find and Follow podcast. You can see more of that at timwadsworth.com. But so my story is I was born in Miami, Florida. And when I was four years old, our house got destroyed by Hurricane Andrew. Wow. Um, my dad works for Publix, where shopping is a pleasure. And <laughs> uh, they transferred us to a, to little Simpsonville, South Carolina, in Greenville County. And uh, even at four or five years old, I remember thinking and truly believing that God was still good, even though our house got destroyed and everything was just kind of dicey. Um, and so even at a young age, even though I didn't put my trust and faith in Jesus and in Jesus alone, I remember knowing that there was something greater and bigger than me and that that force or that spirit was good and loving. And so at a young age, my parents put me at a place called Southside Christian School, um, where thankfully there was good theology. There was good shepherding of our hearts. And, uh, man, just learning that, um, you know, like the pillars of what scripture teaches that the only way to heaven is through Jesus, um, and and learning that Jesus was the way, the truth and the life. And that to follow Jesus, you have to deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow him. And at a young age, I was taught that to pick up your cross means that's your symbol of death. Uh, every day we pick up our symbol of death. And so I remember just as a elementary school kid that if I was going to follow Jesus, I wasn't going to ride the fence. I was either going to be all out and follow myself, or I was going to be all in and make Jesus Lord and commit my life to him. And so at a young age, man, I, I fell in love with two things, drums and, uh, Jesus. And, uh, so I was the kid that was like the eighth grader who was playing drums in big church. And like, that was my super bowl. Like I made it, you know, like when I was playing it, not youth group, I was yeah. playing in big church. And then to me, that was like, that was it, dude. I yeah. arrived. I could retire, you know, <laughs> and my number up in the rafters. Like I was done. Uh, so the order I got, man, my youth pastors, uh, kind of took me under their wing, um, and, and kind of put me in their discipleship program, put me in their, their student leadership team and, there, there was a lot of heartache and tears along the way. You know, I was really immature. And uh, these were the kind of guys that called me out. Like these were the guys that were not okay with mediocrity, were not okay with uh, when I would bend the truth or if I would influence in a negative way. And man, they held my feet to the fire. Um, and, and, and I was in a weird mix because it was a private school and a church in one. So it was like youth pastors were keeping in touch with <laughs> teachers, you know, like they were talking with math teachers, like, oh, oh no, you know, and they even did a great job with partnering with my parents, you know, and they had my mom and dad on board. And uh, so it was just kind of what was really annoying in eighth grade, ninth grade. I look back and, and God's grace was just so evident. Yeah. So around junior year of high school, I had an opportunity to sign with a record company called Red Tie Records up in Lynchburg, Virginia. Uh, which was birthed by Liberty University. Okay. And um, I, I was able to kind of make drums in actuality. And uh, I, I was able to ride that wave of music for a long time. And I took several years off after high school to to just play drums, whether it be studio, uh, I was a studio musician, or I would fill in for other drummers and bands hmm. uh, or play for churches. So like 
a big church in Greenville is New Spring Church. Okay. And uh, they actually pay their musicians to come and like our church doesn't do that, but they're yeah. like, Hey, we'll give you 150 bucks to come play drums. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's a no brainer. So I, I kind of did that for as long as I could. And then, uh, after three years of when I graduated high school, um, I went to Liberty university, uh, where I majored in biblical study and, uh, pastoral counseling. Okay. And, and that, that is where, I, I truly figured out, not figured out, but I feel like I, I kind of reached this point in my life where I really understood really what it meant to follow Jesus. Mm. I mean, I feel like I, I was really good at playing church. I had a lot of head knowledge, um, but it really didn't reach my heart. And uh, I was kind of at this cross, this crossing point in my life where it was like, Tim, you can either be a hearer of the word and, and, and never be a doer. Um, but I kind of felt like light bulbs were going off in my head. Like, okay, you know what it means to pick up your cross and deny yourself, but you're really not doing that. You're not doing that with your finances. You're not doing that in your purity. You're not doing that in your relationships. You're not doing that with what you look at on the internet, but it seems to everyone else that you've got your stuff together. But if, if God were to really reveal what was going on behind closed doors, I was a fraud. Hmm. I was a fraud. So I kind of had this moment where I was like, you know what, God, like the poker chips are all in. I'm all in. Um, And so everything that was instilled in me in youth group in middle school and high school, like I I wanted that. Like I, I I didn't push it away or get frustrated by it. Now I embraced it and I, I, I wanted it. So like I gave, um, who, who is obviously now my wife, I gave my girlfriend like the passwords to my Facebook. Like I had that accountability. Um, you know, I had my best friend actually search my web browser to actually see what I was looking at. And it was one of those where like, I knew that, that I knew Jesus knew what I was looking at, you know, but, but there is something different when you know, your best friend is going to see it. Like it, the blood. Jesus being shed should be enough. Like that accountability should be enough. But it, you know, and I think that's why God says is iron sharpens iron. So one man sharpens another. And so I needed that. And, uh, man, I started seeing God just do really cool things in my life. Um, and and so graduated from Liberty and, uh, I did an internship at a church in Clemson, South Carolina. Okay. Very familiar with the Clemson Tigers. Yep. Up here, national championship. Yeah. I have a former student that went there. So oh, yeah, he, he likes to rub it in my face all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Grief. You know what? I, and obviously I went to Liberty, so we don't have a dog in the fight, but yeah. everyone is obsessed with the Tigers here. Like <laughs> that shirt you're wearing right now that I'm looking at, like yep. it's orange and yep. that color is everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I did an internship down there and then got hired. Uh, back in my home uh, city of Greenville at North Hills. And I've been here now going on uh, eight years, cool. which is crazy. And so my goal, and this is kind of wrap up your your question, but you know, obviously when I really surrendered my life to follow Jesus, I thought, man, if I could be just like my youth pastor, that that's, that's a life worth living. Mm-hmm. If, if I could influence and impact other people like these guys have, then sign me up. And, uh, you know, I remember changing my major from music, you know, or not music, um, from biblical studies with an emphasis in pastoral counseling, I changed it to student ministry. Hmm. Um, and it was just to be like, and I had three youth pastors. We had a really big youth group. If I could be like Brian Briley, Todd Milby or Jason Malone, 
I would. But but the people who had the biggest influence on me apart from them were my small group leaders. Mm. You know, like I, I really don't remember a lot of what my youth pastor said from stage, but I really remember my youth pastor and my small group leaders coming to my baseball game or just asking, you know, like when I would walk through the doors, you know, they would just say, Tim, like, dude, we're so happy you're here. Like, even though they probably weren't, <laughs> like, I, that's what I remember. Yeah. Like, that's what stood out to me. And, and so, so much of our philosophy of ministry uh, with a live student ministry, which is our youth program here at North Hills, is so based around how I was raised and how I was brought up. And we, we definitely don't have it all right. We're, man, we, for every one thing we get right, we probably get five <laughs> things wrong. Um, so anyways, that, that's kind of what I've, I've done. And, um, as a student pastor and I met my wife at Liberty, Rachel, we have two boys, uh, Judah and Levi. Cool. And, uh, you, you normally hear them before you see them. <laughs> they are, they're, they're wild. Like they are so out of control and crazy and so fun loving that when my wife bugs me for a third, I'm like, Rachel, I, I don't know. Like that might, that might be the worst decision we've ever made. To bring a third one into the world, like I don't know, you'd be outnumbered. I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah. So my life right now, man, is is ministry, and uh, those two boys they they keep me really busy. That's cool. Do you drum anymore? You know what? I, someone just asked me that question yesterday. Um, I do. So like Easter, okay, well, yesterday, and and I, I was able to play for those services because cool. we our program meets on Sunday night, and we didn't meet because it was Easter. Yep. So it was nice to be able to play and. But you know what? Um, not as much as I used to, and I am getting kind of rusty. Like when I was on the, when I was on the kit a couple of days ago. Oh man, it, I, I was really convicted that I was I was getting kind of rusty. But I, I play as much as I can, and, it, and it's nice to be able to bless the church. Yeah, you know, with with that talent God has given me, and and, and maybe this is just a freebie, kind of food for thought, but. Uh, a few months ago, I was really convicted about how we're asking people in our church who work a full-time job to also serve, you know, and to me and you as student pastors, that's just a normal thing we do. Yep. But I kind of asked myself that question. I said, Tim, you work full-time. Mm-hmm. Where do you serve? Yeah. And, and I didn't, you know, like I, 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 everything I do is with that student ministry and so I was really convicted, and I went to our worship pastor. His name is Ryan Hodges, and I said, "Hey, dude, you need to put me on the schedule two Sundays a month um, because I need to be serving apart from what I do full time. I need to be practicing what I preach." Yep. You know, and it makes for a long Sunday because yeah. first service, you know, we got to get there early, and so I'm getting at the church at six thirty in the morning, and by the time youth is over on Sunday night, it's right. like ten at night. Yeah. You know, but but we're asking our people to do that all the time. Right. So anyways, that that's kinda the last thing that Jesus has really been teaching me is, you know, practice what you preach. Cool. Cool. Yeah. And I love that that really when it comes down to it, you know, you, it was your youth pastors and your small group leaders that made yeah. a huge impact on you. And over the two years plus that we've been doing this podcast, that story continues to come up over and over and over again. I mean, God, God continues to call people later in their lives and, and through different ways. But so many stories that I've heard have to do with the, the impact that youth pastors and or small group leaders had in someone's life that 
that at least points them in the right direction. It may not be student ministry, but right. it's like I want to pursue this type of a life um, because of their yeah. example and what they did in my life. I want to do that for other people, and so that's that's awesome to to hear that that that's a part of your story, and then it, you now you can pass it on to others as well. Well, that's massive. I mean, when we were at the Youth Pastor Summit in Orlando uh, a couple weeks ago, I actually have it in my notes right here. Um, I forget who the breakout session was by, but they said 80% of students who connect with two other adults that are not staff on a church stay involved in a local church after high school. Yeah. And that's massive. Like, it, and, and we, t- we adopt so much of that in our first time uh, guest uh, you know, like when, when a first timer comes to our youth group, yep. you know, it's like if I go and I show them around and I'm kind to them, well, they know I have to do that. <laughs> if I don't do that, I'm probably going to lose my job. Right. Like that's just what I do. It's like when my wife compliments me, I'm like, well, you're my wife. You, you have to say that. But if someone else compliments me, that's not my wife or my youth pastor. You know, it's like it, it really has a massive impact. Right. And so that's what we're trying to do is get two or more adults who are non-staff, have no strings attached in that ministry to really impact these kids. Because then we're seeing, you know, this every student wants to be known. They want to feel like they belong. Uh, they want to feel like that's their niche. That's their family. And if we can do that outside of staff or outside of certain key people, then I think you're on to something. But, but it does go to show that what you said is so true, that it's a reoccurring story that you hear from so many. Yeah, yeah. So you talked a little bit about your, your ministry takes place on Sunday evenings a little bit. Uh, can I, feel free to expl- expand on that a little bit more. Um, what's your week-to-week um, schedule look like? What's, what's a typical ministry? What's, what's ministry look like for you there at your church? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I get this question a lot from people like, <laughs> What do you do? <laughs> right. Like, what do is you it, do? This often comes from students. That's where I get the question from. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, yeah. No, I'm with you. you. Just hang out at the church all the time. <laughs> yeah. No, there are a lot of people who just think that like we kind of chill all week and then we we you know we hit the ground running for Sunday. So a, a big part of my job description is to oversee our leadership team, and we have 90 leaders. So, and that covers middle school and high school. So a big part of what I do is making sure they're set up for success with whatever they're doing throughout the week or whatever their roles are on Sunday. And so even though our title is student pastor, I deal more with my adult leaders and my parents more than anything. Um, and so a big part of what I do is I've got those 90 people in mind. Um, and, and that could look different every week. Every week. So like we just had a leader. Um, she serves our eighth grade girls and her mom was in a car wreck two days ago. And, you know, I kind of dedicated that day to take them lunch. Uh, you know, I think I even took out the trash for them, you know, something small, like that's what Gabby will remember. Yeah. You know, the reason why Gabby will stick with that student ministry, I hope. And if Gabby (laughs) stick around with us, um, like, I hope that's what she remembers, you know, like someone it, it's much more like when when my phone calls her, I don't want her to think the only time I call her is when I need something, you know, like I, I want her to be able to pick up the phone and hear, hey, I'm going to bring you guys lunch. I'm so sorry to hear about your mom. Like, I'm here to serve you. 
I'm here to shepherd you well, and it's not you serving me and shepherding us. Yeah. Uh, so it can look like that. Uh, sometimes, you know, like we'll have kids graduate from our program and they want to come back and serve. Well, that's awesome, but that also is a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're getting that 19 year old freshman in college, but guess what? You're getting a 19 year old freshman in college. Right. Uh, so a lot of what I do, um, is, is continuing to pour into them. Cause I'm telling you with proper, you know, uh, care and with proper pointing them in the right direction, they will be juggernauts on your student leadership team. Um, and, and a lot of it also is possible counseling, you know, and, and that, that could be mom and dad, that could be a leader, and then that could be middle or high school students. And interestingly, uh, statistics show that the end of March, early April, you will see a spike in counseling. <laughs> and, and I think it has to do with the weather. Now, yeah. I don't know, you're Colorado, I'm South Carolina, but right now, the weather is beyond perfect. <laughs> like, it's not hot. It's not cold. It's like high 60s, low 70s, no humidity. But there's something about coming out of winter, and then there's there's newness of, of the season. Yeah. And I think a lot of people still possibly feel dead or stuck in their sin or whatever the case may be. So you see counseling just kind of go through the roof right now. Um, so anyways, what do I do? Uh, those leaders, 90 leaders, uh, mom and dad, that partnership is huge. So let's say we have a dad that comes to me and says, look, uh, would you mind discipling or counseling my kid? We agree with that in that partnership. But what I want to do is disciple him. Hmm. What I want to do is come alongside him and say, look, this is really your job. Um, And and what we're going to do is just meet for the next month. And how can I coach you? How can I you know, come alongside you, encourage you to love and disciple your kid. Now, sometimes we'll have some mom and dads that are doing everything right. Yeah. You know, and, and then the way we partner with them is going to look very, very different. Um, and and so I do a a lot of that. Uh, and then obviously like (laughs) this is so like, uh, Mondays I call, I think I was joking with you. Uh, I call it the Holy hangover. Mm -hmm. So like Monday is a lot of recap of Sunday. Uh, okay. Have we followed up with first time guests? I try and watch my sermon, uh, that we stream live. Okay. I, I think as a communicator of God's word, it's so important to go back and watch yourself just like an athlete would, yep. you know, athletes go back and watch tape. We need to do the same thing. Yeah. Uh, I think it was a couple sermons ago. I was doing something weird. Uh, like I forget what I was doing, but I realized I was so distracted, <laughs> you know? And, and I was like, dude, I gotta, I gotta sharpen that up. Yeah. Like I look like an amateur, <laughs> you know, when an eighth grader makes a comment and I allow him <laughs> to take my attention off of teaching and onto him. And, and so I made that note, you know, like I, I gotta get stronger there. Uh, I remember, you know, I said a word wrong. So, so in my sermon, I was using the word, uh, wheelbarrow, but it's wheelbarrow, you know, <laughs> yeah. but I can say wheelbarrow and, uh, you know, and I was kind of embarrassed by that. Yeah. I was like, I mean, I know I'm from the South and I know <laughs> rednecks everywhere, but it's wheelbarrow, not wheelbarrow. <laughs> I kept saying wheelbarrow. Wheelbarrow. <laughs> yeah. And I, I didn't catch that when I was actually doing it, but when I, you know, watched the footage, yeah. 
And I was like, Oh, good grief, Tim, like <laughs> you moron. So, so I do that on Mondays. Um, a lot of it is looking for like looking to the week and gearing up for that. So like tomorrow's staff meeting, I'm leading that. Okay. So Monday is going to be getting ready for, uh, whatever God wants to say through me or somewhere in God's word to challenge them or this, that, and the other. Um, and then like, if I have meetings throughout the week, I make sure that I'm prepared for those. Um, what else do I do? Oh, we use something called planning center online. Yep. Um, and so we actually do our, all, obviously our musicians, cause that's what it was made for. Yep. But we, we do all of our teams on planning center, cool. uh, crowd control, dollar dinner, middle school, high school, life group leader. We even have life group coaches and okay. I can bore you with what that is later. But what I do is I look and see if anyone was unconfirmed. So what I do is I send the weekly email out yep, and they hit accept or decline. Mm-hmm. And in our, our youth program, a leader can hit decline and tell me anything they want. Like they literally could decline and say, I'm tired. <laughs> you, you smell weird and I don't want to come. And, and we're good with that because we never want to put our leaders in a position where they feel like they have to tell a white lie. Like I'm sick and like, we know you're not sick, right. but you're saying that to get a night off. Uh, so I go back through and if any are unconfirmed, I actually make a phone call Okay. and I, and I just say, Hey man, what you do is so important. You've got to communicate to us. Uh, you, you, have got to keep us in the loop. Just say yes or no. That takes five seconds. Yeah. But we, the reason why I make the phone call is cause I want them to know that I know if you're not there and what you do matters. Uh, so I do a lot of follow up from Sunday and then, and I'll, you know, finish the question with this. We deal with a lot of money. Uh, you know, when you're done with snack shop, uh, we also do dinner. We call it dollar dinner, uh, compassion. We do an offering for compassion. Uh, people want to buy t-shirts or pop sockets or whatever. It's really interesting to see how much tangible cash will come through a student ministry. Um, and to have the accountability with that. Yeah. Um, to submit it the right way, to keep up with budgets. And that's what I, you know, me and you, we have a relationship with, you know, Doug Fields and Josh Griffin. We know them in the DYM community. And, you know, that's where I love that they push back on the status quo of a student pastor being stupid with their budget or being an idiot with their calendar. Like, I feel like they call us to more than that. Yep. Like, that's unacceptable to suck with your budget. Like, that's God's money. That is tithe money that you're sucking with. And you need to step it up. Yeah. So I've kind of adopted that, you know, to come in on Monday, submit receipts that need to be submitted. Don't lose your receipts. Um, I'm, I'm blessed to have a full-time admin. So, you know, Hope actually takes Monday off. She'll come in on Tuesday. I also make sure when Hope and I meet at 9 a.m. that I know what we're meeting about. And Hope isn't just sitting in my office and I'm kind of gathering all my stuff to see where we need to go. Um, so anyways, Monday's kind of a recap of Sunday. Tuesday is like meeting day to, to the max. So 9 a.m. is my meeting with Hope. 10 a.m. I meet with my boss. His name is Alan Bunn. He's the pastor over our department. Um, and that's me and him. <coughs> excuse me. That's me and him getting on the same page. Okay. 11 a.m. is staff meeting. And then I normally have a lunch meeting. And then by the time I get back, I want to meet with my student ministry team. So we have a, a worship guy. I have a middle school guy. Um, I've got some life group coaches that meet with us as well. Hope will be in that meeting and that's us meeting on Tuesday because guess what? Sunday's coming Yeah, and we got to get all our ducks in a row. 
Um, and, and it's, you know, I think the downfall of ministries, we can get into a rhythm, uh, to a fault. Um, so anyways, Tuesday is like a meeting day. Wednesday is uh, Wednesday morning is always sermon prep. So that's when I get alone. I get out of the office from 9am to 1pm. I've got four hours, four to five hours to, to what am I preaching? What am I teaching? And then I send my planning center email out to the leaders that have the teaching outline, life group questions, and anything else they, they need to know. Okay. So Wednesday is that sermon prep. Uh, and then Wednesday afternoon and a lot of Thursday is I'm up in our student facilities, whether working on a stage design, uh, getting all the snacks back in there. Like it, It's just getting everything ready for Sunday. Um Oh, Mondays I also podcast, by the way, which today's Monday, and we're yeah. podcasting. Yeah. Uh, but, but sometimes if I'm lazy and I don't get it done, Thursday is also a day to, to do podcasts. And, and I would like to say that I'm always consistent in that. <laughs> but I'm, I was just telling this to someone the other day. Like The hardest thing about ministry is the knock on the door. Yep. Like You can be working and being so productive, and then you hear... And, and that one pastor on staff that you barely know comes in and he wants to talk about something so random. And then two hours later, I get Pastor Jim or Frank or Harold, whatever his name is, out of my office. And I'm like out of a rhythm. Yep. You know? and, and I don't want to be that pastor who like locks himself in his office to be productive. But I'm trying to find this balance of having an open door, but not an open door policy to the detriment of our student ministry. Right. You know, so, um, I'm, I'm kind of immature there and I need to grow and with that, but if anyone has any tips on that, golly, <laughs> I'll listen to that podcast. <laughs> yeah. I'm still trying to figure out myself because not only do we have, and I'd probably, I'm probably the distraction half the time, um, <laughs> but <laughs> not only do I probably am too, but, not, uh, <laughs> but we, we have like, uh, open cubicles and everything like that. We have a st- separate student ministry office, but our team is in there. And so we have people that can stop by, but I also have people that I'm staring at across the room. It's really easy to distract each other that way too. So Uh, sometimes I'm like, we're going to in the process of like remodeling our student area. And like, I think it's going to be smart of me to just remove myself and go down there sometimes (laughs) just to like, you know what? Steve's down there in his his area. He's, he's doing his thing. Like whenever I'm down there, don't bother me. (laughs) Yeah. You know, the greatest thing that happened to me, I don't know if you're familiar with strength finders 2.0. Yep. Yeah. Uh, by Gallup. But, uh, yeah, we got our top five strengths, mm-hmm. but I spent the extra like 80 bucks to unlock all 32 and my 32nd strength, like bottom of the barrel was focus. <laughs> and I actually took that to my boss and said, look, I need to be able to do sermon prep off campus. And we don't have strict hours or you have to be in your office, but like if, if they just saw me at Starbucks hanging out and didn't know what I was doing or like, they'd probably wonder. Yep. And, and it drove my boss crazy. But once he saw focus was my last strength, he's like all for me going off campus to get stuff done and do whatever you need to do. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So if I shared a cubicle, we'd be in trouble. Yeah. That would be bad. Yeah. Cool. So, uh, so what's your ministry look like? Do you, do you oversee middle school and high school and you have them together? How's that? Cause it, it sounds like you're at a, at a fairly large church. And so yeah. like, how does that all work out on, on a regular basis for your programming? Yep. So we meet on Sunday nights and we have a separate high school and middle school auditorium. So middle school and high school actually meet at the same time. 
so our doors open at six. Everyone can check in seventh uh, through twelfth grade. So middle school is seventh and eighth. Okay. High school is ninth through twelfth. We actually just um, created this new program just for fifth and sixth. Cool. It's, it's the buffer between kid stuff and a live student ministry. And we feel like we need those two years with them in fifth and sixth grade to help with that weird transition. Yeah. So seventh and eighth grade and ninth through twelfth grade will, you know, we've got a nine square in our facilities. We have ping pong and air hockey and we have a huge, you know, play area. And a, we even just got a, a, a gaga pit inside, nice. an indoor gaga pit. Nice. Uh, which I'll bore you with that later about how we break so much stuff in that room. Uh, but so we come together, um, at six fifteen, and we'll eat dinner. Uh, we call it dollar dinner just for one buck. You can eat. Uh, if we have a first time guest, that's our really easy way of just letting them eat for free. Uh, just to let them know we're happy they're with us and they didn't know to bring money. Yeah. You know? So it's awkward to say, Hey, we're eating. Oh, you don't have money. Oh, that's weird. So, you know, it's kind of a, a twofer. First time guests eat for free, but then we meet after third service. Okay. So third service is from 5 p.m. to 6.30. Mm-hmm. Our doors open at 6, but we don't get a massive flood of kids till after third service. Um, and we just have food on rotation of pizza, double cheeseburgers, or tacos. So literally Taco Bell, uh, McDonald's, or Pebble Creek Pizza – so if someone is looking to eat healthy, <laughs> our youth program is not it. Um, so anyways, we do dollar dinner together, and then we actually meet all together for welcome and announcements and worship, okay. and, and then we split okay. for the teaching and life groups. So 7th and 8th grade go to their room, uh, 9th through 12th will stay in the high school auditorium. I teach in high school, um, and I have two middle school guys. Um, Connor and Josh. Josh does more of the programming. He's kind of more of the face of our middle school program. And then Connor does our teaching. And Connor's one of those guys that, you know, I meet with a lot. We're we're making sure he's good to go with whatever the content of God's word is that we're teaching. And then Josh, you know, Josh fell in love with the impossible shot idea from DY100 last year. And so he, you know, those were just fun things he does and he'll do the games. Um, and then he also does a really good job of connecting with our leaders as well, making sure life groups are getting set up for success. But um, the, the bulk of what we do with a live student ministry is <clears throat> we say we exist to help students find and follow Jesus. So, uh, you know, that word find comes from the book of Matthew where it says, knock and the door will be open, seek and you will find. You know, we're, we're trying to teach these kids, don't live in feast and famine. Don't come on Sundays and feast and then try and live off of that Monday through Saturday. We're trying to teach them how to seek, how to find, you know. Um, Now, we we don't believe that we find God or that there's something that we have to unlock to get to the Spirit. Like, we know that it's God who pursues us in His loving kindness. Um, But what we're trying to do is teaching them how to knock. Knock. How do we sit in the presence of God and hear from the Spirit? Like, how, what do we need to do to make it to where if alive were to not exist tomorrow, you it would at least be okay? Yeah. You know, like, I know that's a weird thing to say. Like, if if a live student ministry stopped existing tomorrow, I do hope there would be a void. Mm-hmm. Like, I do hope people would say, oh, my goodness, like, man, like, our community is hurting because of it, or our kids now don't have shepherds. But 
However, if we did stop existing, we at least taught them how to teach themselves right? or, okay. or to eat for themselves. And then that second word, follow, you know, that's when, when God said, you know, um, uh, the being fishers of men, uh, to, to drop your nets, follow me. Um, and, and so now it's okay. We know how to sit in the presence of God, but what does it mean to pick up your cross, deny yourself and follow God? And the main way we do it, Steve, is through life groups. So what I'm up against is we've got two services in the morning, one in the evening, and I've got kids coming right to me. Uh, So I'm, you know, a pastor staff and I don't hear two sermons in one day. So why are we going to ask our our kids really to do that as well? And so what we're trying to do is a three-part system called no, No Show Grow. No show grow. This is actually something I got from DYM. Uh, I think it was called U60. Okay. It was like a, 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 it was like 60 second videos, and it was like you could give this video to parents, or they had separate ones for leaders. And it's a 60 second challenge to leaders or to parents, and it's awesome. And there was one season where it was just called No Show Grow, and obviously it's really simple. It's get to know your kids. Do you know them? Do you know their last name? Like we know kids' first names, but we probably don't know their last name. Right. Um, and so I go to I go to life group leaders all the time, or our student ministry leaders, even myself, and I ask the question: Do we know them? Do you know if their parents are divorced? Do you know if they live under a bridge, or do they live in a, a mansion? Do you know what they like, what they don't like? There are some kids who love to be called out. But there's some kids, if you call them out, they're never coming back. Right. We, we've got to get to know them. Um, now, that doesn't mean we're going to be batting a thousand at this, you know, but uh, a, a hack that we did in our check-in system is if someone's a first-time guest, their name gets underlined. Okay. And if they're not a first-time guest, their name's not underlined. So I remember looking at a kid when I was first in student ministry and, you know, saying, hey, like, is this your first time with us? And that little girl looked right back at me and she goes, I've been here for nine months. Oh. And I was like, I knew that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, so that's when I, I thought, man, we've got to have a system in place, you know, and it's not bulletproof. But now if I see a name's underline, I know how to talk to them. If it's not, then I can use language like, hey, dude, good to see you again or happy you're here, you know, whatever. So what we try and do And this is what I say to our leaders. If you want to know, are you hitting the bullseye as a leader? Are you doing what we expect? Just get to know them. Just get to know them. Take them out for coffee. Yeah. Uh, Go go to their house. If you really want to get to know a kid, hang out with mom and dad. Yep. Apples don't fall far from trees. And I'll tell you, the more I hang out with parents, the more I'm like, you know, it makes sense. Yeah. Like little Bobby (laughs) is the way Bobby is. Uh, The second part is show. So now we encourage them. What can you do to show them you love them? So my wife knows I love her. She knows. I, but I can't look at her and say, honey, I told you in 2009 at the altar that I love you. And that should be enough. You know I love you. No, I have to show my wife every day that I love her. And, and the more I get to know her, the easier it is for me to show her. Right. Because now obviously I know her. So, you know, we're always pushing our leaders. What can you do to show them? Prove it. You can say I love you, but now let's prove it. Right. Um, Whether that's a text message, like, hey, dude, I know you had a math test today. Hope you crush it. 
uh, that'll go a really long way with kids. Yeah. Um, show up at their baseball game. Uh, show up at the spelling bee competition and we have a ton of homeschoolers. So I, I want to insert like a home <laughs> joke, like show up at their trivia party or, uh, their bifocal party. I don't know. Like, show up at uh, so it's going to look different for every leader. You're going to have the vet leader who's 60 owns his own business and has seven kids of his own. The way he's going to show love is very different. But I've got some leaders who are 22, single, no kids. Dude, your 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 window is wide open for how you show love, um, and that's not to say if you're single with no kids that you're not like you're at home picking your nose. That's not what I'm saying. But like when I shepherd a lot of females in our church who are longing for a husband, I empathize with them, but I also try and encourage them that you're still in a season where you're not tied down to a spouse, and God can use you in a more unique way than someone else with spouses and kids. Yep. You know, like my ministry looked really different before kids and my ministry has had to shift now that I have kids. Um, so anyways, that's show. And we believe if you do know and show helping a kid grow piece of cake, you, you say jump, they'll say how high Yep. you, you call them out on their sin. They'll listen cause you've earned it and they love you. Um, and you know, we, we think if we have that three-step process and that's what we're all about on Sunday nights and that no show grow looks really different. It's not going to be your stereotypical welcome announcements, worship, teaching life groups. I mean, that, that needs to look different in the execution of helping these kids find and follow Jesus. Um, and, uh, a big, also a big part of what we do the last Sunday of every month, we have something called seniors in the middle. It's where we pluck our seniors from the high school room and we put them in the middle school room and they share their testimony. Hmm. We want those middle schoolers to hear life, life, uh, or excuse me, death to life stories. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's really important. Like I remember being in seventh grade and listening to stories of salvation and, and just really that made me think, yeah, you know, like I would, I would hear them say things that were true about their lives. And I would say that that's not true about my life. So what do I need to do about that? Um, and so we're also thinking, how do we get these upperclassmen to no longer be consumers? Yeah. How do we get them to be an active part of a live student ministry? Um, and so we're always kind of rethinking what, what that looks like for us. Yeah, that's cool. It's, and clearly those middle schoolers are going to look up to those high schoolers so much. Yeah. And so, yeah, that, that's huge. That's really, that's yeah. really cool. Yeah. And, and, and I think it's, it's, that that last piece is probably interesting too because it's something that I've always thought about. If if we were to ever go to a, a simultaneous ministry, how do I get those high schoolers involved in the middle school ministry? Because I think it's valuable. Something like that's a, a great idea that you can, you know, be able to. They could still have their own ministry for three months or three weeks of the month, but that last one they're they're pouring into the next generation yeah. behind them. So that's yeah. really cool. And we also we're also trying, and we haven't figured this one out yet, but we're even thinking. Do we figure out how to get guys and girls together in small groups? Mm. So, I mean, if in high school you always have your guys and girls separated, then they go to college and they're in a life group with other, you know, a female or with a male like that, that could be a whiplash. Yeah. And so we're even thinking, okay, if let's treat them like adults, you know, like now don't get me wrong. If, if the teaching was on like Song of Solomon chapter (laughs) six, All right, let's break them up. Let's have appropriateness here. 
But you know what, man? I think we we need to do a better job with uh, having a guy and girl together, and and for guys in the room to learn how to speak in front of ladies. Yeah. And for ladies to learn how to respect the men in the room, and and that's not a stereotypical thing. Like I, I hope listeners don't misconstrue that. Like mm-hmm. what we're trying to do is set them up for adulthood. What we're trying to do is 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 to make them active participants in what Scripture calls them into. And I feel like that's that's something we're not knocking out of the park. Yeah. Uh, it's just really easy to separate them. Yep, it you is. Know? It's just it's really simple. Yep. We went to a, a camp, our high school um, winter camp, and I decided to go ahead and, and mix the groups that night. And we had some pushback from some of the students because they're like, "Oh, the guys are just blown." But they make the purpose behind it was like they need to see you. Like, and you need to see them and you need to interact with them. Like we can't do that on a regular basis, but I felt like at this camp, maybe we can actually experiment with that a little bit. And, uh, and it was, it was, it was challenging for some of them, but I I hope it was a good experience in the end. Uh, because like you said, that's what their adult life is going to be like. They're going to be in mixed groups most of the time. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, I think the reason why it's a challenge is because females are so much more mature than males. Like it, I'm, I'm serious. Like it, it is sad. Uh, like I've got two boys, like, you know, Judah and Levi and my brother has daughters. And even at a young age, it's like Mia is over there, like solving the cure for cancer. <laughs> and then Judah's over there, like peeing in the bushes. <laughs> it's like, man, even at a young age, you see girls just take off way before guys. And I think you see a lot of that in middle school and high school. Like if you look at our check-in numbers, Easily 60% are girls yep. and the other 40% will be guys. And, uh, and maybe I should figure that out and write a book and make like a couple bucks off of it. But it, it's crazy, man, that you see a lot of females stepping up and leading more than the men in our church, Yeah, yep. which is sure. sad. It's really yeah. sad. Yeah. All right. So last question for you. What are, yeah. what are some tips you shared a lot of wisdom already, but maybe, Couple things that that come to your mind that uh, maybe you, if you're able to go back in time five ten years ago and you're like, man, Tim, if if you knew these things before, this would really set you up, you know, for a better ministry. Um, what are what are a couple of those tips that you could share with others? So I'll share two things. Uh, one is words have the power of life and death. Uh, um, and I'm, I. I'm 32 years old and I'm still struggling with my mouth. Um, and I'm talking gossip to other staff members. You know, if you don't like something, you go into another guy's office and close the door and you got to watch your mouth. Um, you know, I, I, I'm an exaggerator. Like that's, that's something that I struggle with exaggerating the truth or, um, you know, giving information to one person that he wants to hear and then maybe giving it different to this person over here. I think that has caused me a lot of heartache and I think it's caused me a lot of crap that I've had to deal with that I I should have never dealt with. Uh, Loose lips sink ships. So got to keep a tight ring on my tongue. And uh, I I have just felt now the freedom of that. Uh, You know, like you you don't need to be an open book. You, You don't need to share everything with everyone and it's okay to keep some things to yourself. Yeah. Uh, you don't always need to tell people what you're thinking or I just felt like early in ministry, my, my tongue got me in a lot of trouble. Whether I was teaching a sermon 
And I would say, and I probably have already said it on this podcast, but like that sucks. Hmm. Like maybe I could use different words and maybe I'd just say, dude, that was just, that, that really stunk or that was so unfortunate. You know, like I don't want to be a stumbling block for anyone. Yeah. And, and I know like it's semantics at the end of the day, but you know, God's word says that if, if eating meat causes your brother to stumble, don't eat meat. Yep. You know, like that is what it means to pick up your cross, die to yourself. And so where does Tim need to die to himself with his mouth, uh, with my words? Um, and so I would say that's number one. Uh, if, if someone's listening to this, like ask yourself that question, how am I with my tongue? Do my words speak life or do they speak death? When your kids leave your ministry for the night, do they leave refreshed and energized and full of life? Or do they feel like you just made fun of them or you had to one up them in a joke or you said something that was just perceived the wrong way? You know, so that that's number one. Uh, that's kind of more a heart issue. Yeah, that's huge. Then I, was, I would say practically, you know, uh, some some tips that I would give is delegate, delegate, delegate. Uh, leadership without delegation is dictatorship. So we need to be thinking, how do we equip the saints to do the job of the church? Um, it doesn't need to fall on me. So I've got 90 leaders. We've got close to 350 kids. You know, 350 times two with mom and dad, you know, that's close to 800 and something parents, man, you want to get burnt out <laughs> in ministry and not have longevity, learn how to not, uh, delegate. Now, when you delegate, don't just delegate cause you're lazy or you just don't want to do it. Delegate stuff to people, then coach them, mm. then set them up for success. And I felt like I was a one man band early in student ministry, you know, like I felt, uh, worship. I, I can help the worship team, leadership team. I got it. Preaching, teaching. I got it. Counseling me going, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yep. Cause I'm deep down a control freak. So I, I have just seen that the most successful youth pastors are brilliant at delegation and, and they set their people up for success when they give them a task. And a lot of that is no show grow with your leadership team as well. Um, so now, uh, and I think that this is where you can go from good to great. Take your leadership team and your students from being renters to owners. Make them an owner. Uh, you know, when you get a rental car, come on, we treat that thing like poop. You know, like we're taking corners hard. We're gunning it. We're slamming on the brakes. We're cranking music. I mean, we're driving it like we stole it. You know, like, so what we got to do, and it's the same with a, <clears throat> a rental house. People don't treat a rental house like they would if it was their own house. It's just the truth. So what we got to do, um, the reason why you see so many kids go off to college and just fall off the map, they were a renter. They rented. They weren't an owner. So we're taking leaders through like ownership. You have ownership of your kids. This is yours. If you're over this section of our ministry, take ownership. Now, when you have owners, I have to be a good listener. Like I can say they're owners all day, but when they bring an idea to me and I shoot it down, they're not going to feel like an owner. Right. So a lot of that is, you know what? Trust them. You put them on your leadership team. If they have an idea, if that's what they say the spirit is doing in their heart, go ahead. Let them do it. Now you inspect what you expect 
But you know what? We're trying to take our leaders and, and to be owners. We're doing the same with our kids. Let them own that student ministry. Let them have nights where they're behind the mic. Yeah. I mean, that's another thing I'm trying to work on is, am I the only one preaching and teaching in this youth group? And if so, that's a pretty crummy diet. Hmm. You know, like ice cream's great, but if I had ice cream for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you know, like it's just not good. Right. And so I'm trying to bring in other student pastors. I'm trying to bring in other influencers in our community, other pastors on our staff. Um, and I'll end it with this. Don't be a an island. Don't be a church within the church. Figure out ways to partner with all the other spectrums of your church. So if you want to do a mission trip, go to your missions department and talk to them, partner with them. You know, if, if you have a counseling department, partner with them and how you counsel your kids. Uh, you know, that's one thing I feel like I'm trying to utilize better is how can I partner with North Hills Church and not just it be a live student ministry world. Right. You know? Yep. That's that's huge. And I think that's so important. I think um, across the board, I think because uh, I don't know, a lot of people when when I was at smaller churches, I heard people at larger churches going, you know, you need to delegate and all this stuff. And I'm like, I haven't hardly anybody. Well, you do have two or two or three, maybe, or maybe it's one or two. <laughs> and, and we can still practice those things even in a, in a smaller scale as well. And, and partner with a larger church. Maybe it's just you and the preacher. Well, bring the preacher in every once in a while or, or vice versa or something like that. And, and there is, there are different ways to partner even at different scales. Yeah, and I would even say if you're a youth group, let's say you've got 15 kids and you have two leaders. Okay, so delegate a spiritual obligation. Yeah. So so delegate like, hey, for you two leaders, what I want you guys to do is your goal for this year, find someone that would be a great fit for our team. So now you're delegating that recruiting isn't just on me. Right. Recruiting is on us. Look at those 15 kids and say, look, I'm going to delegate the Great Commission to you. I want you 15 to find that one kid on your sports team or that one kid at school, and you're going to invite them. You know, and now what you're doing is you're not only delegating just a tangible task; you're delegating like you're delegating spiritual tasks yeah. as well. Yeah, that's cool. That's really yeah. huge. So thanks so much for joining us today, Tim. I'm sure that people are going to want to know a little more about you and ask your ask more questions, pick your brain a little bit, listen to your podcast. So yeah. uh, where can they contact you? Uh, what's the best ways to, to find you and, your, and all your stuff? Yeah, so two two websites. One would be timwadsworth.com. Uh, you know, I try and blog regularly on there, uh, and I keep my podcasts on there as well. And so if anyone's interested in, or lives – in the upstate of South Carolina, you can check me out there. And then secondly would be alivestudentministry.com. Uh, we keep a lot of our sermons on there. We keep uh, we keep it pretty up-to-date and pretty, um, I guess, relevant. If someone were to visit it, they would feel like it benefited their time to go there. Um, and so I would say those are two ways that you can keep in touch with me as well. And if you're really bored and you really want to waste your time, just go to my YouTube channel, The Tim Wadsworth. And uh, you can watch whatever stupid videos we upload <laughs> on there as well. I, I can't promise you your time back. You will feel like you wasted it. But if you're really <laughs> bored, go ahead and check it out. All right. That sounds great. Yeah. So, cool. Well, thanks so much again for, uh, for joining me today, Tim. And uh, God bless yeah. your ministry. Well, dude, I, Steve, I know we barely know each other and we're getting to know one another. But it seems that your church is so blessed to have you. Um, super encouraged by your podcast and how God is using that and your commitment to it and your faithfulness and 
Colorado. Super blessed to have you, brother. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, man. Appreciate it. Well, I hope you were encouraged by that podcast as much as I was. I, I know that I already have notes. I have notes set aside about what he talked about, really making an impact on our, our leaders and um, showing them that we know them, we, we show that we know them and love them, and, and we help them grow, and helping them to do the same thing for their the, the students that are under them, uh, about how they can we can really start making an impact and, and delegating all the work that we do uh, through other people within the ministry and sharing the resources responsibilities and partnering with other people in our church and in our community. And uh, I've got notes. So I hope you have notes. I hope you're going to have some ideas of ways that you can implement some of the things that Tim talked about today. And make sure you do get in touch with him. If you have questions or further questions about how he implements certain things or what he's learned or maybe... He mentioned something and and he didn't really go into depth that, that you really wanted him to. Make sure you reach out to him. I know he would love to to hear from you and uh, and flesh that out. And make sure you check out his podcast where he shares a lot more information about what he's doing and what he's learning from from his ministry and what God's doing in his ministry there in South Carolina. But we want to just uh, wrap things up by quickly thanking our sponsors again. Again, WorkCamp NE. Make sure you check out their website, especially if you're looking for mission trips for your students. Make sure you check out youthworkers.net for the National Network of Youth Ministries and Reach Youth New England's website as well. If you're looking to connect with other youth workers, make sure you check them out. If you're not looking to connect with other youth workers, maybe maybe pray about that. <laughs> like, Just think about it because it's, it's going to be so important and so uh, crucial for your ministry going forward. I promise you, you will not... Uh, you won't be disappointed at all. Um, I mean, there's going to be some connections, of course, of course. You're not going to get along with everybody, sure. But it's important that we connect with other people, and we're going to benefit from from doing that for sure. So thanks to all our sponsors, WorkCamp NE, the National Network of Youth Ministries, and Reach Youth New England. You are what helps make this podcast happen. And the other piece of what makes this podcast happen is you, the listener. Thank you so much for tuning in month after month to listen to these great great conversations. And and here's what you can do to help us even further is share the podcast out there, share it with others, and uh, let others know about these awesome conversations, these awesome stories from other youth workers. And also, please leave us a comment. If you like what you hear, leave us a comment because the more comments we get, we kind of rise to the top a little bit and other people can help, uh, helps other people find us. So make sure you do that. That would be so great and so helpful. Also, for those of you that are going to the Orange Conference, I'll be there at the end of this month. So make sure you look me up. You can follow me on Twitter at Steve Cullum. You can also follow the podcast at StuMinPod. That's S-T-U-M-I-N-P-O-D on Twitter. And uh, we would love to, I'd love to meet up with you and uh, maybe even record a conversation. Maybe that'd be an awesome time to, to have you on the podcast as well. Or maybe someone else you know. Maybe you're coming on along with a, a great youth worker and you're like, you know, we need to meet up and so I can actually record a conversation with them. I'm going to try to get some other conversations with some workshop leaders and other people while I'm there. So I would love to meet up with you. Just uh, let me know you're going and uh, we'll, we'll see if we can meet up for just even a quick hi, a coffee, or maybe even lunch or something like that. Well, thanks again for tuning in to today's episode and hopefully you're blessed by Tim Wadsworth's story. And uh, we'll be back next time with another one. But until then, may God bless your ministry.